In local news, self-proclaimed anti-racists, social activists, voices for positive change, and other self-congratulatory useless people have pooled their collective brain power, generating enough electricity to power a small toaster and simultaneously do the community a great service, outing a local businesswoman and city councillor as a Nazi. This was to the great shock of her two Jewish nephews, who could have sworn their beloved aunt was, well... Exactly that, their beloved aunt, a delightful, salt-of-the-earth, small business-owning Christian woman, bent on doing what she could to make her corner of the world a little more pleasant and friendly, as she ran her nursery and small bistro. But thank God she was found out for who she really is, taking to Instagram and launching that nuclear bomb of social change, a petition. Local activists have accomplished the great feat of making themselves feel just a little more like their miserable, jobless existences actually mean something by virtue of the fact that they, in their completely deserved moral superiority, are helping defame and extinguish the reputation and career of a pillar of the community, an accomplished, ambitious, and successful matriarch from the comfort of their iPhones in the single-room apartments of their housing justice community project. I'm Patrick Jolliker, and this is the Hemlock Podcast. All right, everybody, <laughs> welcome. Maybe that was a bit of a savage intro, but welcome to the Hemlock Podcast. Um, it's been a bit of a break. I was actually getting married. If you're watching the video, I'm displaying my ring. Uh, I got married on September 5th to my beautiful wife, Loren. And um, yeah, I took a bit of a break just for the honeymoon, which was phenomenal. And we're back setting up shop, setting up house, and uh, moving all her stuff in, which is um, both a joy and a terror. <laughs> um, but my, my little basement suite is getting a heck of an upgrade. It's just a lot of stuff to go through. So, uh, we're having fun. We're having a good time and we apologize for the wait between episodes, but, um, I wanted to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by the supporters on locals.com. So if you go to the hemlockpodcast.locals.com, you can become a financial supporter, um, which I super appreciate. And now my wife super appreciates because uh, the plan is to eventually have this podcast make enough money to live on. So if you believe in what we're doing here and you want to become a financial supporter, uh, head on over to the hemlockpodcast.locals.com. Uh, I think people who tend to word the conservative side of things are really bad at investing in culture um, and investing in in narratives and and cultural yeah cultural narratives. Um, and so, if you would like, to, if you think I'm doing a good job of that, uh, I would really appreciate the financial support. That means a ton. Um, and we already have uh, a bunch over there doing that. So I super appreciate those. If you already have done that after two episodes, it's amazing. Um, I just posted a video of a behind-the-scenes tour of the, of the house uh, that we're moving into right now, or street my wife is moving into, and uh, that's exclusive to supporters over there. We're going to put a lot of premium content over there, so become a supporter on the hemlockpodcast.locals.com. Um, yeah, wedding was amazing. We got married at a place called the Boss Estate here in Abbotsford, and it was unbelievable, crazy view. Um, my wife did a fantastic job just with the vision for the whole wedding. It was so good. Um, and... Uh, we actually had the, <laughs> kind of bringing it close to home, we had our rehearsal dinner at Tangle Bank, the Bam- Brambles Bistro, which is at Tangle Bank, which is, Tangle Bank's been the center of this whole crazy controversy of racism in Abbotsford, right? Um, and not to say that there isn't racism in Abbotsford, please don't misunderstand me, that's not what I'm trying to say, but, but the grounds for this whole thing to me have seemed absolutely unreal. There was... A gentleman named Arnold Falk, who actually, okay, I met Brenda Falk as we did our rehearsal dinner, um, who is the city councillor I talked about in the intro. 
Um, and it was her husband who used Tangle Bank's account to make the comments like, hey, let's, you know, forget all the BS and treat everyone with dignity and respect. All lives matter. I talked about that in the last episode, so um, you can listen to that in more detail if you haven't heard that yet. But um, they then went on to like attack. It, it basically came from, it started with an attack on Arnold Falk for making that comment. Um, that's where the title comes from. Shut the shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, is is fuck their last name? F A L K. <laughs> in case you mishear me, I don't want to get this tagged as explicit. Um, but the whole thing started as an attack on Arnold Falk for making comments um, saying all lives matter, which is kind of like an incendiary phrase these days. And again, talk about that in the last episode. Uh, and then it just it keeps pivoting. There's like literally there's like an Instagram account dedicated to taking this poor family down um, on a whole bunch of contrived nonsense that isn't real. Um, but it pivoted from Arnold Fox's original comments. Then it pivoted to the fact that they kind of just started. I'm not sure this is the best way to go about it, but they started blocking everybody who was like commenting on their nursery business Instagram, which again. They made an official statement. You don't have time to personally. She actually did respond personally to some of the people that were um, reaching out to her. Right, I spoke personally with a couple of the people from the Instagram account supporting it that spoke to Brenda Falk personally. They took the time to actually have the conversation, and they just disagreed. And that's not good enough for these people, right? Um, this like mob that's attacking Tangle Bank and attacking Brenda Falk. Um, they keep saying like they're like they're blocking BIPOC people, like Black and Indigenous people of color, which is. Yes, there are some there are some people from the BIPOC community uh, that they've blocked, but they've been blocking everybody that's been like disparaging their business on Instagram, right? So it's not like there's no racist motivations behind that. It's just like, hey, we disagree that we disagree with your accusation that we're racist, and we're just blocking all the comments that are disparaging our business publicly, right? Um, which is pretty fair, if you ask me. It's a freaking nursery for crying out loud, and like a bistro, so I wouldn't want a whole bunch of people falsely accusing me of being a racist on my business Instagram either, right? So um, they made an official statement. They took the time to personally address a lot of these people's concerns, um, and. Uh, where does it end? That's why the line keeps moving. Started with Arnold Falk, then became about Brenda Falk because she's a city councilor, right? Um, became about how they're not addressing these concerns good enough for the people attacking them, right? Um, then it became uh, accountable Abbotsford. And so the entire city of Abbotsford's on trial now uh, for the racism here. The, the, the Instagram account is like going through systemic racism examples in Abbotsford, um, which if you actually read the examples, they're not systemic. Systemic means like in the law, right? Like in the institutions. Are there individual racists in Abbotsford? Of course there are. I'm not trying to minimize that. Um, but that has to be dealt with on a person-to-person -person basis, right? Um, it can't be solved by government. There's so much, it's such an inclination these days to just have everything solved by the government. There's racists in Abbotsford. It's the government's fault. No, it's not. It's, it's, there's pe individual people in Abbotsford are jerks. Right, and that has to be dealt with on a person-to-person -person basis. You can't enforce that through rule of law without, without like basically cramping down on, on free speech, right? Which is a place nobody wants to go. These people don't even want to go there. They just don't know it because they're not thinking of the results of their actions, right? Um, so, anyways, um, it, and you can watch the progression. It literally it started with um, Accountable Tangle Bank was the name of the Instagram account, and then Accountable Falk. Uh, and then now it's accountable Abbotsford, so it just keeps like broadening out uh, the scope of their rage, <laughs> whatever. And it's it's ridiculous. The whole thing's ridiculous. It just keeps getting more and more um, contrived and, and, and individual. You realize this by the examples people are pulling up. It's on their story currently as of today, uh, which is Saturday, and this is probably going to go up Monday. But um, they're individual examples of racism, which again are evil. 
but you can't fight them with government. You can't fight them with city council, right? Um, there are some that might be considered systemic. Some of like some of the indigenous arguments are. Um, I, I don't claim to be an expert on the indigenous issues in Canada or Abbotsford, or whatever. I, sp- I was speaking a lot more about Black Lives Matter side of things, um, but most of the examples they're giving are not systemic, right? Um, some of the indigenous ones might. There might be some that are systemic. Most of them are just individual jerks, right? And I'll fight individual jerks all day long with people. Racism is evil and gross. Um, but when you're just putting people on blast that, first of all, aren't guilty of racism, um, and you're just for canceling them and forcing them to like go farther and farther and farther with their apology and their reparation, and we need a plan for how you're going to be anti-racist moving forward when they weren't racist to begin with. Um, is ridiculous. And so anyways, enough about Angle Bank. Um, Brenda Flock, I had the chance to speak with her and she's a lovely person. Um, completely not a racist, not an anti-Semite. And this is, by the way, this is how they use, this is the logic they use to determine that her and her husband were Nazis. Is they, they use, so Arnold Flock apparently followed a history account called World War 1445, something like that. I don't know. Um, and I looked into it a little bit, but uh, it's like a history account that has pictures of Hitler. It has pictures of American soldiers and German soldiers. And it's like, it has a bunch of World War history pictures, right? And apparently, uh, and actually I saw a couple examples of this. Some of the people in the comments of those pictures are like pro-Nazi. Like they were saying things like Heil Hitler. It could be trolls, could be real, I don't know. Um, but they literally use the fact that Arnold Falk was following what for all intents and purposes looks like a history account. I don't know who reads the comments of every single post of every account they follow. Spoiler alert, nobody does that. <laughs> um, but they're using the fact that in this history account, some of the posts had some comments by people that seemed to be pro-Nazi. Um, and they used that. Therefore, Brenda and Arnold Falk are, are Nazis. Wow. <laughs> what, like, what a stretch. And holy smokes, those are... And we're all Nazis, if that's the case. If that's what... I follow some history accounts. I haven't looked at the comments of some of those pictures. Maybe I'm a Nazi. Who knows? I don't Ridiculous. Stupid. Just dumb. It logically just broken. Anyways. Um, yeah, to the point where it's like she made a joke. Brenda Falk told me this herself. She's like, yeah, my two Jewish nephews are coming in. And I had to like jokingly tell them, hey, I don't know if you're, I don't know if you should bring your nephews because <laughs> I'm a Nazi. I don't know if you knew that. Right. Which is just sad. This is like a beautiful, just loving, kind woman um, who had a lovely conversation with um, being dragged through the mud over nothing, over false accusatory nonsense it's just not based in reality it's not grounded in reality um because these people again come back to virtue signaling they're just looking for a fight they're just looking for a battle to fight they're looking for uh, a ways looking for ways to vindicate their own morality right to, again to maybe i was a little harsh in the intro but like they're looking for absolution. They're looking for a moral melodrama when there isn't one to be found. They're contriving a moral melodrama in order to be on the side of the angels against the forces of evil when there is no moral melodrama. If you actually break this down with an ounce of common sense, there's no story here. There's no story here. But now there's like an Instagram account and a petition with like 700 something signatures on it to like demand accountability from Brenda Falk over what? Ridiculous. Um, and, uh, and I don't know, as conservatives, as people who lean against kind of this cultural nonsense, um, 
I don't know what we do about it. We're bad at this. We're bad at organizing. We're bad at petitions. We're bad at supporting the, you know, conservative culture and which is not racist and not xenophobic and not, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's a lot of positive stuff in conservatism. Right. And, uh, and we're just bad at telling that story in a way that's relevant and, and attractive to people. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know how we get better. I don't know. I don't know if I need to start a petition in support of her or, uh, supporting the podcasts like these, I think is a big part of it. Um, not to just plug myself here, but, um, we have to be better at this as conservatives. We have to be better at supporting the culture and, and supporting those who are, who are willing to speak out because it's a scary thing. I'm still scared to say all this stuff because I realize I'm, I'm sounding more and more. I know how I'll sound to friends of mine who lean to the liberal left because this is just an opinion they don't hear often, right? Nothing crazy, nothing radical about it, but um, it'll sound that way because it's so uncommon these days. So anyways, enough about Tangle Bank. God bless those people, Brenda and Arnold Fox, salt of the earth, and we're so happy to have had our rehearsal dinner at your lovely place of business. (laughs) Um, If I get canceled for that too, totally happy with it. Um, Yeah, we stepped in it, right? told you this podcast was going to be full of irreverence and joy. I'm determined to keep that promise and it looks like it already happened, right? Because I personally have gone my entire life without being accused of racism, but I released one episode about being against the Black Lives Matter organization, like specifically the organization. Um, and I've already got people trying to cancel me, defame my business, my band, this podcast, like the whole works, like a lot of it coming from that Instagram account, right? Um, and if you're watching the video version of the podcast, I'm actually I'm gonna throw some screenshots of some of the stuff that was said. Um, here's how you know this is all virtue signaling, just political garbage, right? Uh, this screenshot in particular, the reason they came after me, they quote me saying, I think the Black Lives Matter organization doesn't actually believe that Black Lives Matter. Um, they're using that quote to somehow frame me as a racist, right? So, I mean, think, think about that for a second. The reason I'm complaining about the movement, more specifically the organization, Black Lives Matter, is because I don't think it actually cares about black lives in a way that's actually gonna help black people, actually help black lives, black people stay alive, right? Um, It's actually making some of those problems worse, in my opinion, or at the very least, it's not addressing and sometimes completely ignoring uh, much more prevalent problems in the black community, statistically, right? Um, mostly, and I don't claim to speak for the black community, I'm just looking at the data, right? Uh, mostly because it's using a false narrative um, to basically promote a political agenda, a Marxist agenda, right? Um, and I'm saying that from the perspective of a white person who has been told that by members of the black community, right? I've had conversations, people keep saying like, listen to black people and listen to black stories. And I have, it's coming from black people, a lot of my opinions. Uh, the point is this, if I was actually a racist, why would I care, right? Why would my critique of the Black Lives Matter organization be that they're not doing a good job for black people? Why would I risk being called a racist by my community, risk my livelihood to say what I think is the truth, right? Two plus two, carry the 14. Right, it's because of course I think the Black Lives Matter, right? Of course I think that. I just think that the organization is trash and it's actually hurting the black community, right? Um, Now, I wanna clarify, and I think I've done this a couple times already, but. It's the Black Lives Matter organization specifically that I'm against, right? Um, Although there have been some positives that have come out of the overall movement. 
Um, I'm not for obviously all the violence and the rioting that's come from it, but there have been some positives in starting conversations in healthy ways. Um, but I think the inherent association to the organization is not a good thing. Um, and since our last episode, I've actually had some really good conversations with some really good people, but I wanted to share with you guys, uh, kind of a funny thing that happened because, because I lean conservative and I'm open about that now, right? Um, most of the black friends I have lean that way as well. They lean conservative. Um, actually all the black friends I spoke with about the podcast were supportive of what I had to say, but I kept running into white people that insisted on telling me that I was listening to the wrong, to the wrong black people, which was hilarious to me. Um, and that I needed to listen to the stories, not the facts, mind you, but the stories, anecdotal evidence of black people who, you know, just happened to agree with them, these white people, um, which demonstrates kind of just perfectly the point I'm trying to make. Anecdotal evidence is not evidence, right? I keep being told by white people to listen to and to amplify black voices, but then when I do that, right, and it happened to go actually against the running narrative, against a lot of the Black Lives Matter organization stuff, um, now suddenly I'm listening to and amplifying the wrong, the wrong black voices, but again, according to white people, <laughs> right? So, um, to have this whole race conversation, and Thomas Sowell, Intellectuals and Race, read that book, please. To have this whole conversation without making any reference to the stats is a great way to hurt every community involved in the conversation. Um, if you haven't read it, please do. Thomas Sowell is black, right, if you care about that. Um, link to buy it's actually in the description, so if you buy it through that, it helps the podcast, but read it anyways. If you don't care to support the podcast, read that book, please, either side of the aisle, because he illustrates how disastrous these conversations in the marketplace of ideas can go when they're perpetuated by the completely uninformed, um, and on the opposite side of the spectrum, the intellectuals who are more concerned with appearing virtuous than with the consequences of the ideas that they're perpetuating, right? Um, because if you don't consider the practical consequences of what you're suggesting, right? Like some of this defund the police conversation is going to end up with more crime and more poverty in black neighborhoods, right? Um, that's a practical consequence of the defund the police movement championed by the BLM organization, right? If you're not thinking about that, but you're still promoting this defund the police idea without thinking it through, you're hurting black people. You're hurting black communities. 81% of black people do not support defunding the police, right? So if you're a white college liberal student who thinks defunding the police is a great idea, you're gonna hurt black communities and the vast majority of black people don't agree with you. So chew on that for a bit, absorb that, let that percolate, right? Um, when you're suggesting things, when you're putting things out into the marketplace of ideas, think about the consequences, think things through. It's the whole problem I have with socialism and Marxism and stuff is that sounds great in theory, never works in practice, literally ever, right? Um, the other main problem I kept hearing, um, again, from the white people I spoke to, um, was about black culture, right? Uh, and how we need to be aware as white people that black culture is different from white culture. Now, the question I have for the people who said that, who used that particular argument, is how does that change how I interact with an individual who's black, right? So if I treat that person as an individual with respect and dignity and actually do the work to get to know them on an individual level, right? Get to know them as an individual rather than assuming a bunch of things off the bat based on the color of their skin, which actually seems pretty racist, if you ask me, um, based on what I think I know about black culture, right? 
um, of which there are many different types of black culture, right? A lot of different countries in, in, in Africa and Jamaica is not even in Africa and those people are black too, right? There's different black cultures. So just lump it all together. Um, is not fair, right? So if I treat people as, as if I treat people as individuals, how am I worse off in my interactions with those people, right? Now, first of all, I want to say to everyone I spoke with, right, white, black, I love all of you and I respect your opinions. Um, and actually, I admire your ability to speak about tough topics respectfully. I'm still friends, at least I hope I am, with like everyone I went and talked to um, about this stuff. And that means a lot to me. It really does in this day and age, uh, even if I disagree with you, which some of you, actually most of the white people I spoke to, I ended up disagreeing with and most of the black people I spoke to, I agreed with. So, which is funny, but <laughs> and runs against the narrative, but that's the way it happened. So take that as it is, right? Um, some people I spoke to, I just disagree with some of your ideas and I hope you can hear me with an open mind and know that I've only got, I've only got love for you, right? But there's one thread, there's one thread running through most of the conversations I've had that I'd like to communicate. Um, in my opinion, you don't have the privilege of not viewing this through a political lens anymore. Because again, we see that old socialist capitalist dichotomy again, right? Marxism, socialism, and I'm lumping them together. I, I know, uh, tends to cut people up into groups, right? It's a collectivist philosophy while capitalism has a higher respect for the individual, right? So when a collectivist philosophy gets applied in the culture, right? It has people running around saying black people need to be treated as a monolith, black culture, right? All black people have the same culture, which is totally racist. Um, treating them as a monolith, as a collective that all think the same, that's pretty racist, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, and at a pretty significant social cost already, I, I've had friends personally wondering if I'm racist for crying out loud um, because I'm willing to plant my flag on the hill that treating people as individuals and not caring what their skin color is off the bat is still a better way, right? Now, of course, if someone's skin color has had a big impact on their life and they've experienced a lot of racism, of course I want to hear that and support them and, and, and fight against that racism like wherever I can. Of course, racism is evil. I'll keep saying that. Totally, totally evil. Um, but I want to hear it from them first as an individual, right? Rather than assuming a bunch of stuff that may or may not be true about them simply because of the color of their skin. Right? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm losing my mind because I keep having this conversation with people. Um, the politics matter now, right? I actually had one conversation where someone told me the difference between supporting Biden and Joe Biden, the presidential nominee in the States, and supporting Donald Trump uh, was just about Biden having clearly better values than Trump, right? And I love you. The person I had this conversation with, I love you, but that amazes and astounds me because to say with a straight face that the values of Joe Biden, right, who supports BLM, uh, after all the racism tinge stuff he has said, right, the abuses of power in regards to his son, Hunter Biden, his nomination of Kamala Harris because of the fact that she's a woman of color, which is an identity politics win, sure, uh, despite the fact that she's one of the most corrupt politicians out there, um, and it's actually been really detrimental to the black community with as far as criminal justice reform goes. That's sad that people think there's a clear values distinction between Biden and Trump. Not even saying Trump has good values, but the people that think Biden has clearly better values than Trump are just, in my opinion, it's just, it's misinformed or uninformed. You're just not hearing the opposite side, which makes sense when you th think about the media and stuff like I've talked about before. Um, and everything I just said, you can look it all up online about Hunter Biden and Kamala Harris and all that stuff because you won't hear it on the mainstream news, right? Um, if you don't know what I'm referencing, 
it gets back to the heart of everything I'm trying to say, right? Most people do not have anyone in their lives offering an opinion counter to the mainstream cultural, political, and academic opinions, right? Um, unfortunately, we live in a world where there are two sides, right? Both in mostly Canada and the US, there's two party systems and we always do that two sides of the coin thing. Uh, you're only hearing one of them and that should concern you. I fully realize that might sound a little paranoid, maybe, maybe a little conspiratorial, but when you realize that something like 90% of the media in the US are registered Democrats and up here in Canada, right, CBC News, CBC News is it's a state-sponsored and massively left-leaning news organization. Most people just don't know that. They think it's like centrist and objective and whatever. Most of us are only getting one side of the story. And I think that anyone who's in favor of a liberal, and I mean that in the true sense of the word, uh, liberal, well-informed democracy, whether you lean left or right, that should concern you. Hearing both sides is so important. Um, there's a war against reality these days, right? The facts on the ground are no longer reported. They're spun defeat a narrative drunk on its own power and counting on the fact that you and I are stupid enough to swallow it. Well, we're not. At least I hope we're not, right? A lot of us are waking up to it. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. We're sick of it and we want truth. And that's why I started this podcast and there's a lot of people I listen to that are just trying to get the truth out there, right? Trying to go with facts and objectivity again and actually admitting their biases. I've told you I lean conservative, right? I'm not trying to pretend I'm objective, right? I'm admitting my bias off the bat. I don't think objective media exists, right? I think people that try to tell you they're objective and they're centrist and, and whatever are either lying to you or lying to themselves, right? Because um, we all have our biases and the people I like, the people I follow, the people I go to for news and you want to go for, like, you want to go for a bunch of different sources when you're following the news. Um, people I like most are honest about their biases, whether left or right, right? They don't try to pretend they're objective because nobody is. Objectivity is impossible in my opinion, but... I really quickly want to touch on the whole George Floyd thing because I think, and I'm not going to talk about the whole the whole scenario, right? Um, but I do want to talk about the ramifications of that whole incident, right? Obviously, what happened to him, knee on the neck, all that kind of stuff, that was gross and disgusting and evil, right? Um, but in the in like the, the five seconds after that incident, there was a part of there was like a ray of optimism in me for the response because everyone looked at that and was like, that's gross, that's evil, right? Both right and left, they were like, whoa, you can't put your knee on a dude's neck for like eight and a half minutes, whether it's racially motivated or not, right? And it could have been, right? I, but everyone thought that was evil, right? If people were like, if that's racially motivated, that's gross, even if it's not, it's gross. Everyone was on the same page with George Floyd. So quickly turned around and spun into You've had, I think, something like 100 days of riots in Portland, like 100 consecutive days of rioting in Portland and things being set on fire and people throwing stuff at cops and all this kind of stuff, right? You can look all that up. There's like tons of video evidence of that. Um, George Floyd, that whole incident, we were united for about five seconds, right? Before the media and kind of the, the institutions, the, before the man jumped on it, right? Uh, and instantly used it to divide us again. Uh, and I think that's sad. Um, I think wherever we should look for moments of unity wherever we can. And I think the fact that we keep letting this stuff polarize us um, is gross. And I think it's one of the most terrifying, terrifying things about our, our political discourse these days and where the politics of, of 
governments in North America are going. Um, yeah, it's it's tragic, and I hope we can figure out a way to turn it around. Um, even like just yesterday, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, right? And uh, and she was a Supreme Court justice in the states, and I'm just waiting for the headlines. There already been some, and <laughs> waiting for the headlines about riots about that. Um, because she was a Supreme Court justice on the left, and this means that Donald Trump may have a Supreme Court justice nomination before the election in November, um, which is 45 days away, and uh, and people are going to lose it over that. Like, you already know that, right? You already know that people on the left are going to lose their minds over it. They're going to riot over it. Um, if, if Republicans try to follow a constitutional process and nominate a judge, elections have consequences, right? Donald Trump got elected fairly four years ago and and supreme court justice nominations are part of that package right elections matter um and you could break down popular vote versus electoral college there's a really good reason for the electoral college and that's probably another topic for another episode but um but we're gonna have more polarization and more even though i see a lot of people on the right going like look i don't agree with anything she said but it's sad that she'd passed away there's a lot of respect actually for for her passing um, which is totally true. She's a human being. She's a child of God. Um, I think she had some really negative opinions, right? Past a lot of stuff that I personally don't agree with and don't align with my values. But um, death is sad, all, all, always. Same with George Floyd. Same with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, and so rather than coming together again and like rallying around, this is a person who had a huge impact on society. Um, and uh, and respecting that, respecting the fact that she passed away, we're going to have a little more polarization and more violence because of it, which is crazy. Um, I want to mention really quickly, um, there's a phenomenally fascinating debate between um, Jordan Peterson and Slavoj Žižek, um, which is cordial and brilliant and nuanced, and it's like two and a half hours long, and it's definitely worth every second, right? Um, there's, a brilliant mo- there's a brilliant moment around the two-hour mark where Jordan Peterson just talks about he. But he talks about how to live the good life, right? Which is different than being happy, right? He, he clarifies that. Um, but he says, he says something like the way to live the good life, to be fulfilled, I guess you could say, um, is to assume the maximal amount of responsibility for the malevolence in the world, right? Um, and he thinks that you have to do that on a, on a individual level, that basically the way to live the good life is that basically to say, if I'm paraphrasing improperly, and I hope I am, that the world is evil and it's my fault, right? Um, that to bear as much responsibility for the fact that the world is evil as I can and work to repair it, and that has to start as an individual. Social justice completely removes that, right? It, it talks about how there's the oppressor and then the oppressed, and you know what I mean? It doesn't matter that there are poor and downtrodden white people or that in history there have been more white slaves than there have been black slaves, right? Um, because it treats people as groups, as collectives, right? Um, and that fact, by the way, is from Thomas Sowell's book. <laughs> I just said, I didn't just, um, you know, it, it makes no allowances for individuals, right? Social justice treats people as groups. Intersectionality is the term where it's like, I am the conglomeration of my identities and where they intersect. So if I'm, I'm like a white, straight, Christian male. Those are all my identities. So I have the most amount of privilege in this world, apparently, right? Um, and so 
it doesn't matter that I, you know, my grandfather, for example, was born poor. My dad was born poor. And the reason my parents are doing decently well now is because my dad's worked his butt off for 35 years, right? But I haven't inherited a bunch of generational wealth from them, right? Um, my parents have helped me out here and there. Um, and I'm super grateful for that. Mom and dad, I'm not trying to disparage <laughs> disparage that. I'm just saying there, I haven't like inherited a bunch of generational. I haven't inherited like an estate from my parents, right? Um which is the argument a lot of these like white privilege types make. Um, in fact, actually on my mom's side, um, my great grandparents were kicked off their land. They were wealthy landowners in Poland and they were kicked off of their land by the Nazis. That's actually why they came to Canada. Um, but because I'm a straight white male, this is social justice, breaking people up into groups, because I'm a straight white male, I'm closer to being a Nazi than, than other social groups just because of stuff I can't change about myself, right? Makes no sense. Um, doesn't allow for any nuance, any individuality. It's really poisonous, I think, to a society. Um, and then there's this whole thing about this attribution of morality to to different social groups based on how oppressed they are, right? Like if you've been more oppressed, you're somehow more moral, right? So for example, like these college students, which are like inciting a bunch of riots right now, a lot of the stuff they've been getting mad at is like, oh, we don't have the same opportunity, the same finances, the same financial opportunities as the boomers because things are more expensive and the boomers screwed us over and we've been so oppressed. Um, so we're more noble automatically than these, than our parents' generation, right? Which is just not true. You can be like a lot of these college students are like, we haven't been really hard on college students. Well, they're just dicks, right? They're just angry at the world um, and haven't worked a hard day's work in their life, right? And they're just mad at stuff because they think life's unfair and they haven't worked to make it better for themselves, right? Uh, they're not more moral. You can be oppressed and still a tool and still like a total terrible human being. Or you can be oppressed and be noble. You can be privileged and you can be a jerk or you can be a good person that uses your privilege for um, for good, right? Um, but morality is not automatically equated with how oppressed or not oppressed you are, right? Um, it's just a false equivalency. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I want to bring it back. What do we lose by treating people as individuals? Right? rather than assuming a whole bunch of things about the color of their skin or their gender or their orientation. Hear people's stories from them as individuals, because I think that's the way we solve this. Right, In a world full of increasing polarization and violence and lack of understanding, um, the healthiest conversations I've had with people are the ones we have face-to-face. Right, where it's like, look, I'm gonna hear your story from you. If you've experienced racism, I wanna hear about it. I wanna fight it where I can, right alongside you, right? Um, but this kind of just screaming into the wind and attributing evil to people you've never met based on things they can't change about themselves is just poisonous and evil, right? Um, and so take the time to have those conversations with friends, family, stick up for yourself, right? Stand up for the things you believe to be true because it's the only way we get better, right? I'm starting this podcast because if I'm off base, maybe I'm full of crap. I could be. The only way I'm going to know is if I say what I think and if I'm full of crap, people will call me out on it, right? And then I can decide whether I agree with them and maybe I, maybe I agree with them in some areas and not others. And But that's how we get better is having those conversations, having the boldness to speak up for what we believe to be true, not speak your truth. There's no such thing as your truth. There's the truth. Well, all we can do is speak about what we believe to be closest to the truth. And the only way we get closer to the truth together is by having those conversations and not just automatically labeling people as bigots and homophobes and racists and xenophobes and whatever insert label here, right? Um, have grace for people, give people the benefit of the doubt, hear them out, hear their stories. Um, don't be a jerk. Don't assume things about people. 
that may or may not be true, right? Um, and uh, have those conversations with friends and family and share podcasts like this if I can make another shameless plug for myself, right? Um, because we need more people speaking up for the truth, right? Speaking as loud as they can about what they believe to be the truth. Um, and then having people willing to listen and have those conversations. It's the only way we get out of this craziness we find ourselves in right now, I think. So anyways, thank you so much. Thank you for those who are supporters. Go ahead and click on links in the description to buy stuff I referenced and all that helps support the podcast. Share this with as many people as you can. Really appreciate all that. Um, keep living life with irreverence and joy. My name is Patrick Jolliker, and this has been this week's The Hemlock Podcast. We'll see you soon. Take care. God bless. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this week's Hemlock Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends and family. Tell them to subscribe because if you loved it, then they're going to love it too, obviously. Also, head on over to iTunes to leave us a five-star rating and review. That helps us a lot with the charts. And if you're not going to leave us five stars, then forget about it. Don't worry about it and enjoy the rest of your day. Lastly, head on over to the hemlockpodcast.locals.com to become a supporter and receive access to exclusive content and ad-free versions of the Hemlock Podcast. Love you so much for listening. Let's continue to ride out this increasingly insane world with irreverence and joy. This is your host, Patrick Jolliker, and bye. Much love, y'all. Peace.